Hello and welcome to another episode of the Go Play That podcast. My name is Rob Cook and I'm joined by two fine fellows today. I'm with Earl Baker. That's a nice introduction. Thank you. Welcome. Are you having a good day? I'm having a pretty good day, actually. Thanks, considering it's Monday. Yes. And I'm joined by Bob Marate as well. And and who are you calling a nice fellow exactly? I've forgotten. (laughs) Thank you for the nice intro, Rob. You doing all right? Yeah, yeah, I'm doing all right. Cool. Been quite busy last week. Yes, you have. And yeah. uh, what have you been doing? I've been uh, paying a visit to Barcelona because mm-hmm. there was there was a, a conference there, the the Game Lab Barcelona, and uh, it, it spanned between the 29th of June until the 1st of July, both inclusive. Mm-hmm. It was three days of constant uh, talks and uh, Spanish indie developers that set up their their games for people to play and to try out and give feedback and all that and uh workshops even there was so much to do i just couldn't do everything hmm. is it was this but, your first yeah. time it was my very first conference yes so this this time was this year was like okay this year for sure i have to start going to conferences i'm gonna go check uh, if i can the gdc the respawn and mm. uh, the game lab was like the perfect timing because it was like a month and a half away. It was rather cheap, mm-hmm. all things considered. I mean, flight and conference was about like 300 euros for me. Okay. But yeah, it's it's not like the 1.5 thousand that would be the GDC, for example. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was reasonably priced. And, and uh, I saw that the roster of, of speakers was really good. Yeah, they, they usually have like really big names there. They had Tim Schafer two years ago, I think. Really? And, right. uh, and, and this year, someone very similar to Tim Schafer, right? Yeah, exactly. Ron Gilbert came in. So jealous. <laughs> I, 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 saw, had, I saw on your Facebook feed you got a photo with him. So I jealous. Had a, yeah, I had a little chat with him after the, mm. after the talk finished. He had like this uh, Q&A session where uh, a journalist, I think, was conducting the, the, the questions that I had. And then they, they had like some questions from the audience. Every single question from the audience was related to Monkey Island. Of course Everything. it was. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah. And <laughs> I, th- I think Tim Schafer probably got the same treatment. Probably so, but yeah, if I was if I was in the place of Gilbert, I would probably make I would probably have felt a little bit uncomfortable always being asked the same thing, you know? Especially because I, I had a question. I, I raised my hand, but I didn't get the chance to to ask him there. I wanted to ask him about the cave. Which ah, is, interesting, yeah. yeah. It's a game that, that uh some people or at least most people do not know that it's actually his. And yeah. kind of went a little bit under the radar, and uh, and I kind of wanted to ask him, and I did later on. But like in private, I I assaulted him uh, <laughs> <laughs> while he was on his way to get some water or something. Hey, I wanted to ask him about the puzzle design in the cave, and uh, because you can choose between nine characters, and you mm. had to you had to combine uh, all possibilities, you had to adapt the whole game to be completed with these three characters that you chose so how would exactly the game decide which rooms would generate and and uh, how the puzzles would be laid out for the player and and yeah what he said basically was that yeah balancing was not as difficult as it seems because the moment you choose the three characters the game completely 
lays out the whole game, and it only mm. chooses uh, rooms that have puzzles that can be solved with the characters that you picked before. Right, right, okay. So yeah, I was, so it, I, yeah, it customizes itself on the fly. Yeah, kind of. Yes, I mm. was. I was wondering, like, okay, so if I pick three characters, I, may I have the chance of running into a, a a puzzle that I cannot solve because I have the wrong character? And he said, no, it's impossible. Right. Yeah, right, right. That's cool because it's predetermined beforehand. What you're saying about the cave going under the radar and like, I, I feel that way that about Ron Gilbert in general, he seems to be quite a a quiet guy. Yeah, I mean, he's quite outspoken on Twitter, but you never really see him do face-to-face interviews or anything like that. So, a, yeah, think, there's a reason behind that, actually. Yeah, it's a real. Oh, I'm interested to hear that. I was going to say this is a rare opportunity to actually get to to speak to him at all. The fact is that uh, Ron Gilbert is not very comfortable with strangers. You know, so, oh, so he actually has like social problems. Maybe I don't know, but <laughs> he's he's really definitely a nice guy, and he will definitely mm. answer your questions if you approach him, and he will let you take a picture with him and everything. But you can tell. He's not that comfortable with it. Well, I guess in essence, he's actually famous. Yeah. He in this is. industry, he is yeah. famous and beloved and not everyone can cope with that. That's a strange that's a strange thing to have to react to, especially because when he was a games designer, it was quite an anonymous thing. It's faceless. Sure. And yeah. now, you know, you're out there. Now and, he's a legend, uh, so, yeah. He is, he's a legend. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I've noticed that he kind of just very quietly ticks away like when he joined double fine for example um he never put his face out there like tim schaefer was very much the face of what they were doing with uh, broken age yeah and ron gilbert was kind of just behind the scenes consulting and even his new game that he just got through kickstarter you know he updates his backers but he doesn't put his face to it and it's very much a collaborative effort with the people that he works with mm-hmm. um but yeah, a lot of other developers put themselves front and center, but not him, not so much. You can definitely tell that he doesn't like being in the spotlight. Yeah, but, but fair he, he kind of deals with it, which is fine. I mean, he's a professional. Mm. And, yeah, yeah, uh, and he's a really nice guy. So yeah, uh, was Deathspank also his? I can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember. Um. Oh no, I'm, I'm mixing up Schaefer and Gilbert. I think mm. yes, I think uh, Gilbert did Deathspank. Yes, I would like to see another Deathspank game. Because <laughs> I think Gilbert was doing Death's Bank while Schaefer was doing Brutal Legend. Maybe so. It was around a similar time period. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember the dialogue in, in Death's Bank being very Gilbert-esque. Yeah. yeah it so was really right. good. Yeah. yeah. I would definitely like to see some more Death's Bank. But yeah. Well, well. Maybe at some point in the future. But yeah. Uh, of course, that was not it. There was another another talk by John Romero, for example. Oh, and Romero yeah. was there? I had no idea yeah. Romero was yeah, there Yeah, Romero too. was there. I, I did not have a chance to talk to him one-to-one, but I, I mm. attended his, his talk. It was basically uh, another Q&A where he talked about his history when he founded id, when he created Doom, when he, when he changed the world of video games, basically. Did he take quite a lot of credit? No. I mean, okay, fair enough, fair enough. He, he takes credit, but he always mentions his team as well. Okay. So it's not like I did this. I mean, sure, it's sure. like it's like I changed the world of video games, but I did it with my fe- with my fellas, with my colleagues and Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. I think it's it's already had a bit of a rock star image, but I think a lot of that was for show and I do get the impression from people that have spoken to him or heard from him that 
that was more of a marketing thing than him ha- actually having a massive ego. Maybe so. I don't know. I mean, even yeah. though uh, it may have sounded a bit of egotistic in this uh, Q and A, I didn't really mm-hmm. find it way too much. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I, I found it quite good. I mean, let's face it, he did change video games. Sure, sure. He he, he deserves did. to have a chip on his shoulder, of course. Speak, so to speak. Mm. So yeah, he does not say, okay, thanks to me, everything is as it is. No, it's like, yeah, well, I I did this, and while I did it, I set a standard, and, and that happened. So yeah. yeah. Uh, it was also quite interesting like uh, to see uh, how he also advanced on his uh, video game development life and now he's working on another game he also brought that, brought that up that I was going to ask if he mentions yeah. his uh, his kickstarted yeah game. did he get any he, difficult questions um uh, not I, I can't remember the questions they were asked but no they were quite generic i mean nothing super super uh, hard to right because like, there's no no kick- backers in the crowd then yeah because <laughs> yeah, that kickstarter went up and then they took it down and said we're going to come back with something more tangible. He did mention that. He mentioned that he was working on the Kickstarter. He was working on the playable demo. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, that people deserve to play something before he would ask for their money again. Probably should have come to that conclusion earlier. But um, I guess it's been a while for Mr. Romero. The <laughs> industry has changed since he was around. So Maybe, yeah. So yeah, yeah. It's a different world now. One topic that was magically avoided was Daikatana. <laughs> oh, um, wow. I mean, probably not intentionally. You know, it's, it's, just, it's a it shame, actually, because um, I follow uh, Romero on Twitter and he does get fielded a lot of questions around Daikatana and is quite open about them. Yeah, and I'm pretty I, sure that I, if someone would have asked him, he would have. Yeah, yeah. And I, I noticed he does actually retweet the more positive ones. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but there's a lot of people that have revisited that game and have said that that game got a very bad reputation based around the fact it was probably hyped too much. In reality, it was nowhere near as bad as people have said it is. Mm, probably, and yeah. also that the AI, which was admittedly like the worst part of that game, uh, can be circumvented by playing the game co-op. Oh, all right. And the concept of playing a game co-op wasn't really much of a thing back then. Yeah, of course. So um, it may have been before its time, and you can actually spoof the uh, the IP address link using um, patches on both the GOG and the Steam versions. You can actually play that game co-op and uh, apparently it's a pretty good experience. Mm-hmm. Who knows? I've never played it, but it's on my list. I really want to play it just because I want to like form my own opinion about it. Sure. Some people say it's really bad. Some people say it's not so bad. Nobody really said, okay, it really is very good, <laughs> but I want to know True. why, you know? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. whenever I get my, my hands around it, I will probably talk about it again. But yeah, I think uh, uh, I think the death match was apparently quite well received, but all the marketing was around the the story. Um, yeah. you know, Romero is uh, known for his death match map designs, so not surprised that at least that part of the game was half decent. Mm-hmm. Right, more things, more things. Uh, Peter Moore was also there. He basically uh, yes. he basically repeated the same talk that he gave on the E3. Mm-hmm. about the, the changes that EA is going to go through competitive and esports and all that. Oh uh, yeah. Which interesting. was interesting. Yeah, it was interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh he had some some tricky questions like um <laughs> for example, uh, a girl said if I want to get competitive in EA games, how am I how are you going to prevent 
other players from harassing me <laughs> because right. I'm a girl. Uh, and, that's a very specific, but it was yeah, it was fair question. It was very specific, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But but he defended it like a champ, you know. I mean, he said, "Well, let's let's be frank. There is pretty much nothing we can do to prevent that, but mm. we do take it very seriously." So if you see someone that is harassing you, just report him immediately and we will investigate and yeah, you know. Yeah, I think the way that most companies are approaching it now is, you know, there's only so much you can do for prevention. Um, but much like the law, you have to show that you're willing to punish. So permanent bans get handed out for that kind of behavior, like full account lockdowns, IP bans, that kind of stuff. And uh, hopefully people will just be too scared to act in that manner. Mm-hmm. all right <clears throat> and uh another one of the talks that i didn't know the guy at all uh, it was from one brent bushnell which is oh, yeah. co-founder and ceo of a, a company called two bit circus they mm-hmm. are not they are not exactly video game developers which is the best part of their company they are some sort of inventors they do this kind of um gadgets machines escape the room kind of things Mm -hmm. so they have like okay let's think about something that could be really fun all right so one of the things that they explained was that they they just took a wall and they covered it in buttons like big glowing buttons (laughs) and uh, and and they wanted to see what people did with them and they started pressing them and maybe they would make a different sound or they maybe they would like uh improvise some sort of twister session with that and uh, and based on that they've decided to make like more things related to that like for example one of the uh videos that they shown was um you know these these hammer games that you can see on town fairs where you just uh, a strength a feat of strength that you have to hit a bit oh, hard right. and, and ring a mm-hmm. bell on the top mm-hmm. okay so imagine that but uh the moment that you ring the bell when you hit really hard there is a guy inside a capsule and you set him on fire <laughs> okay yeah of course he's wearing a fireproof vest you know so it's like oh a, wait a this is an actual suit. human being it, yeah it's an actual human being yeah someone is inside that uh, capsule wearing a fireproof suit and he's taunting the guys who are with hammer so <laughs> so and your reward to is to stop and- his taunts by setting him on fire <laughs> yes well, that, yes, that definitely yes. is an interesting uh, place to work at, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> one of the anecdotes that he saw is that um, uh, pretty much anyone could choose to get into the, the capsule and be set on fire. And uh, they were working closely to um, with a, a fireproof suit company. And mm. <laughs> one day they just called them up and said, do you have these kind of suits, but for children? <laughs> oh, my God. You are kidding me. <laughs> And of course, the other one was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Of course we don't, you idiot. What country is this company based in? I mean, (laughs) America. It was America. Wow. Yeah. Um, The health and safety standards, generally speaking, would have been a bit higher. But wow. Well, of course, uh, I mean, everything is very safe. So they do have their own like measures and they have their the the safety measures. Uh, Yeah. yeah. It's not like you're going to accidentally set someone on fire. Of course, everything is no, you're intentionally doing it instead. Of course, yeah, yeah. It's just <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was really interesting to see uh, how they yeah, okay. approach the, the the making gadget and making machines that would be fun 
for yeah, someone like to a, interact with. Like a big research and development group. Yeah, but just for, for silly things. Yeah. So n- for nothing that that would like save lives or anything, but to set people up on fire. <laughs> and do they license their ideas out to people that think they're good ideas? Like how how do they run? How, how are they profitable? Uh, they get hired. I mean, they right, do. Like, okay, so it's like come events. here and give us yeah, a cool exactly. idea. They or, they set up they set up their things and they just get hired apparently on on fairs or something bring your stuff or like oh. we're going we're going to rent you a space so you can set up your things and they're a uh, freak show company <laughs> kind, of, kind of yeah it's called two bit circus after all two bit circus right okay so yeah i'm going to look that up they must be on youtube some some of their crazy stuff must be on I'm youtube i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure that the that the setting people on fire video is there Brilliant. i'm pretty sure yeah but yeah like it. um the last thing that they've done has nothing to do with setting people on fire. They did some sort of real life space team. So they have laid up a room with uh, spaceship consoles and there's uh, three stations, which is the, the captain, the gunner and the navigator. Oh, I think I've heard of this. So yeah, they, they, it's pretty much what, what Ubisoft wants to do with VR, except yeah, it's not yeah. really VR. It's just like a proper, console that you, you you manipulate and and that it, I, it looks it looks super cool i've definitely definitely heard of this um i think giant bomb covered it at some point about a year ago uh, but i've definitely heard of this it's a it's a, a room that you can rent out with your friends basically yeah um and yeah you essentially are a star trek bridge and they give you a scenario that's um, the one yeah so I, I assume it's the same company but yeah that that sounded very very cool i'd love to yeah. do that that has to be the one, yes. Mm. And yeah, I could talk about the interesting talks all day. I mean, we had the CEO of Telltale. We had the CEO of Frontier. We have Rami Ismail making mm. the best speech that I've seen him deliver. Yeah, and, he's, uh, he's really good. He's really good. And he's super friendly too. I mean, I approached mm. him later, later as well. And I had uh, a small chat with him. He's super nice guy. And uh, But the, what I want to bring attention away from the talks right now is about the the developers that were there there was a lot of people all from spain showing the projects little things prototypes that they've been working on super passionate mm. people awesome i approached one of them this is going to su- be super funny to you but i approached one of them and uh and and i asked them hey uh what are you working on he says he said oh i'm working on on this game called a place for the unwilling which i'm pretty sure that you may have heard of it was on kickstarter not long ago yeah i've heard the title yeah so yeah it's like oh right uh can i give it a look but yeah it was i i didn't have a lot of time so it ju- i just could get a grasp that it looks really awesome the art style is great and uh and and then is when the I, I give the guy my card and he says oh wait you you're bob morata from go play that right <laughs> oh really oh, and I'm how like, funny i'm like are you serious <laughs> Are you recognizing me from that? Oh, that's so, so funny. Oh, I'm very yeah. pleased. Hmm. Yeah, very yeah, pleased. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the guy actually knew about us. And, that's uh, cool. If, if you're listening to this, Luis, uh, we should definitely hang out sometime. Yeah, shout and, out. So, hey, if uh, you're from, uh, if it's from Barcelona, that's not too far away. Or if it's from somewhere else in Spain, that's even closer to us. He's actually so, from Madrid. He's, actually he's from, from Madrid. Madrid. Oh, wow. Well, there you go then. Let's hook up. Yeah. Let's do it. That's cool. Give us a, give us a shout. And uh, yeah, I met Roman there. I'm pretty sure I mm-hmm. sent you a picture. I don't know. Roman was what was also presenting their game. Mut- mutual friend of ours. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
What a small industry. What a small it, industry. It's very small. Very it's, small. it's very incestuous, isn't it? This is how uh, accusations of uh, favoritism come across. It's because industry is too small to avoid it. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Yeah. So you better get yourself a lot of friends, no enemies. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't make enemies. <laughs> well, you shouldn't make enemies anyway. So and, I, I'm uh, slightly disappointed because I thought Game Lab was going to be like the Animation C Lab. Hmm? Never heard of that. Oh, man. Okay, everyone has to go look up C-Lab. There's your homework. Okay, C-Lab. It's hilarious. Hilarious. Adult Swim thing. Oh, okay. But anyway, <laughs> I digress. Okay, I'll give it a look then. But yeah, loads of interesting contact, loads of talks, loads of people, really friendly. I made a lot of contacts and friends. I will definitely go back next year. And, uh, and, and yeah, I mean, I could talk about this for, for hours, but we don't have the time, so... I suggest we move on. Yeah, I should, I should make effort to go to some of these. Like I, I often go to um, the Madrid Games Week when it's here, but it's very much... Um, Consumer-oriented. Yeah, it's, it's tailored to consumers, and I don't want to be marketed at. <laughs> yeah, that's I just, exactly it. Yeah. yeah, I don't want someone to sell me something. I want I, that concept of everyone going there to receive feedback is far more interesting to me than people trying to receive your dollars. <laughs> yeah. Because generally speaking, I'm going to spend my dollars anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, join me next time. Join me next cool. year on Game Lab. Yeah, mm-hmm. sounds a lot of fun. Yeah. Cool, thanks for sharing. That's awesome. Nice. Yeah, no problem. So, um, L, mm. what have you been playing? <laughs> what have I been playing? Mm-hmm. Uh, I have been playing Tokyo Mirage Sessions FE. Nice. Nice. Um, on the Nintendo Wii U games console for <laughs> households. Um, <laughs> uh, it's a JRPG. And it is based on the Shin Megami Tensei uh, combat system. Mm-hmm. And that's a series I am very aware of, but I've never actually played any of those games. I played uh, Persona. But and, none, and that's no serious. Shin Megami Tensei whatsoever. N- never the Shin Megami Tensei. No. All right. Um, and if those games play anything like this game, I'm very interested to go back <laughs> and revisit the legacy because I love the combat in this game. Love they it. Do. Yeah, they do. You're fantastic. Yeah, because um, I mean, I, to, to start with, what drew me in was uh, a Nintendo Direct a few months ago, which first announced the game. Um, and shows a lot of the, uh, the whole game is set in Tokyo and all of the settings like Akihabara and all those kind of places are very familiar to me. And I'm a sucker for virtual interpretations of Tokyo mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. It, and the art style generally just drew me in. It's just this crazy, colorful, explosive world with, uh, demons coming into our reality and, uh, lots of j-pop singing going on and weird kind of pop idol type um uh what's the word culture pop Mm. idol culture of japan um i just find it fascinating and weird in the most positive way that that word can mean and i promised myself i'd never play a jrpg again (laughs) just because (laughs) of uh the time commitment that it generally takes and what I usually get back out of them, I feel a bit let down by my 
favorite franchise, Final Fantasy. Like those games seem to get progressively worse and speak to me less and less each iteration. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, this game hasn't let me down. Um, it's it's the, the the combat is really easy to get into, but at the same time, you feel like it's something really complex and you feel clever when you're playing it. I always think that's a really difficult thing for a game to nail, to make the player feel clever when they're an idiot like me. Because <laughs> you're, you're, you're presented with like nearly a dozen different elements from like fire to um, water to things like slashing and piercing and axing as an elemental type when it comes to attacks. And the way it's presented to you is just done in a very simple interface. And I actually found it really enjoyable trying to figure out what kind of attack is right for what enemy type. And on top of that mechanic, there's uh, something called a sessions mechanic, which essentially is uh, is combos. And once you figure out which attacks to combo with your other character and the spectacular animations of all of your characters just piling in on this dude one of them throwing fire and the other one throwing a massive spear and the other one freezing him and it's exploding uh this enemy to pieces is just freaking awesome awesome it's just bombastic and stupid and fun (laughs) and it's been so long since i felt that way about any kind of rpg that it's just silly and fun to get into. Um, Not since the Final Fantasy VII summon sequences have I felt excited about pulling off a magic effect. And unlike those animation sequences, I am yet to get bored of them. Hmm. And I can just watch them over and over. You can skip. You can skip combat stuff, but I don't want to because I am excited about how much damage that next attack is going to do Every move matters. I'm invested in every single turn in that combat system. I'm working out, you know, which enemy I should attack next because they're next in the order of attacks. So I have to take that guy down. Otherwise, he's going to get one of my characters and I'll have to use one of my health potions. It's just fantastic. Mm-hmm. I. I, I, I realize that for the most part, I'm basically explaining what a JRPG is. <laughs> but this game has made it so accessible and friendly and stupidly awesome in its presentation style that you throw yourself into it deep. And as someone that is very critical of games that require long play sessions, I have dug seven hour long play sessions into it by accident. At a time, I'm jealous of that because um, I haven't I haven't given it the time yet. I've played two hours. It was yeah, just accidental. Um, it's still very playable in short spurts, but because uh, you can save anywhere, sure. Um, and my God, save anywhere because <laughs> you can lose a lot of progress in 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 the in along the way. Mm. Um, but yeah, the, the characters are really fun, and I, I'm just a sucker for that kind of fun and friendly j-pop kind of atmosphere yeah they are very relatable aren't they yeah yeah and the the characters are like on one side they're combating demons that are uh, attacking earth and on the other side they are maintaining a career as a pop star or a model it's just stupid and hilarious and anime and hooray 
I love it. <laughs> I, th- um, I definitely think that the way that they've handled this release is the right way to not uh, spend the extra time trying to localize it. Like they don't even have uh, English dubbing. It, it's straight up. Um, well, I don't know if it's actually the text is localized, but it's uh, original voices through and through. It's interesting that you touch upon that, actually, because, uh, yes, I agree, you're right. I'm glad they haven't bothered with the dubbing. I would have picked the Japanese uh, language anyway. Yeah. But there has been some localization okay. uh, on the game. Oh, right, um, yeah, different, not not in the traditional text or yes. voice translation, but internationalization. Exactly. Yes, so thank you for the segue. All right. Um, there have been some changes to the game um, in regards to some of the themes uh more specifically adult themes okay uh the original game had a lot more flesh exposed on the female characters um and the age of those female characters was under the age of 18 for the most part so this is in conflict with what is generally socially acceptable in the western hemisphere um and some people dislike it and are calling it censorship. For me, my personal stance is that would be very distracting to the enjoyment I'm currently having. Mm. Uh, the game is very innocent to me. It's very fun. And all the characters other than the, you know, the, the attacks that they're having from demons, when it goes back to that real world and they're all pop stars, it's very fun and friendly. And my understanding of the original version, uh, there are sequences where uh, female characters are, uh, to increase their fame, made to do modeling. And the consent of said modeling is dubious. Right. They may not be comfortable with the fact that they're doing, for example, bikini modeling, but they understand that it's a necessity for them to become more famous. That doesn't exist in the version of the game I'm playing and I'm glad because tonally it would completely change what it is to me. And to me, it's just a really fun knock around experience. And that original story is a little dark in tone to me. And yeah, that isn't actually the intention on the consumer and the way that my, again, my understanding is that, that wouldn't necessarily be seen as dark in tone to the Jap- you know, that segment of the Japanese audience, the otaku audience, so to speak. That's not to say all Japanese. I'm saying a very specific um, targeted anime slash manga audience find that entertaining. And here, culturally, that is very niche. So... I think it was a brave and probably correct thing to do right. to, to change the game in this manner. I wish more people saw the game as you do because most of the players that are playing this game are going to think that, yeah, these guys are just depriving me from boobies. And yeah, that's and, and, and honestly, and I, for, for, for research purposes, <laughs> um, I, as I've played the game, I've gone to YouTube to find the sequences that I'm, in quotes, missing. Because I'm curious. I'm curious to see what the differences are. The differences are minor. They're really minor. It's um, some costume alterations in some of the cutscenes, and the dialogue is altered 
so that um, the reflection on how you know if, if if characters are consenting to something or not is different. And honestly, it it not only doesn't detract from my enjoyment of the game. I'm glad they did it because the original uh, content would have been for me a bit disturbing. Um, I'm able to detach myself from it, um, because I can just look on YouTube for, for the sake of understanding that, oh, that's how it originally was. Um, but I, I would have enjoyed the game less if they kept it the way it is. And to be honest with you, because of my personal moral standards, I probably wouldn't have even bought the game. Um, so I, I, I believe I'm actually in the silent majority, so to speak. And Nintendo were very aware of that. Mm Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's my stance on, in quotes, censorship or localization of the game. I think it's opened it up to a much wider audience and made the tone much more enjoyable. Sure. Yeah, that's yeah. super important. I, yeah. I wonder what the steps were to get to where it is. It's it's not a lot. It's it's some dialogue changes and some art changes and, and that's it. And most of the dialogue they change, I think, isn't spoken. It's just text. So yeah, um, it's it's not a lot of effort to make what is actually quite a significant change when it comes to delivering the tone of the game. Um, but anyway, if you have a Wii U and you've played and enjoyed an, a JRPG ever, required purchase. Required yeah. purchase. Um, competitor for Game of the Year for me. <laughs> There's two, two things that I would like to highlight about this. The first one is exactly what you just mentioned. It was right about time that the Wii U got some love. Yeah. Because I think the last decent title that the Wii U saw was Splatoon. Yeah. I mean, not even, of course, I'm not counting uh, Zelda Twilight Princess HD. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's another game that was already existing. So, yeah, it, it's been a while. It's been more than a year since yeah, Splatoon yeah. came out. I wouldn't be surprised if we see this game on other platforms a couple of years down the line. I really wouldn't. Yeah, I'm okay um, with that. It, it, I know it was published by Nintendo, but I'm pretty sure that um, once certain licenses have expired, it would be in Atlas's interest to get this game out there um, because I can see a franchise spawning from this. But not outside uh, Nintendo platforms, I would say. I mean, Fair enough. It, fair enough. Still, yeah, yeah it, it is still based on Fire Emblem. I mean, it has still Fire Emblem references. Yes, it, it mm. does. And it, characters, uh, some, yeah. Yeah, characters. yeah the, uh, the, the Mirage characters, uh, which are basically the friendly demons, um, are from Fire Emblem. Um, a, a franchise I am also now interested in. So if Atlas and Nintendo were using this to spark interest in their other franchises, congratulations, I'm now <laughs> going to buy uh, Shin Megami Tensei and Fire Emblem games from now on. Yeah, I hadn't thought uh, about that. I... Um, yeah, I need uh, to spend more time with it. I've really enjoyed what I've played so far. One of the things that stuck out that I think we mentioned in Micro was the interaction with the gamepad. Yeah, how, how, so, use, how it yeah, uses so this, it like a phone, kind of. It, it's a positive and it's a negative, actually. Okay. Um, so, yeah, the gamepad acts like a pager or it's, it's very similar to the, um, the WhatsApp Messenger app. Um, more specifically, Line, actually, the Japanese equivalent. And yeah, your party, when you're not with them, will message you now and then. You'll get little updates saying, hey, you've earned this new weapon. You should come back and get it, that kind of stuff, as well as just general flavor um, dialogue between the characters, just color. Mm. Um, however, 
what this means is that the game doesn't support uh, off TV play. Oh, okay, of course, yes. And for those that are Wii U fans like myself, that's actually a really useful feature, um, which a lot of games recently haven't been supporting. So I am unable to play the game on my gamepad while my wife watches television. Yeah, it just for, remo- it removes that as an option on a console where you'd usually want to have it. Yeah, and for a JRPG, Oof. I would have thought that that would have been a great um, genre to have really dived into that and taken advantage of it. My problem um, with that feature is slightly different, actually, because mm-hmm. it's, it's not that that I cannot use like off TV play, but uh, when I play Tokyo Mirage, I play with Maggie, like both mm-hmm. of us sitting in the couch and watching TV. And uh, when when we get one of these conversations in the in the gamepad, we have to just uh, like read it out loud to the other. Yeah, she's discluded. <laughs> yeah, interesting. It, of course, because only one of us is seeing it. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's kind I, of annoying to be like narrating the thing over and over, like, oh, okay, now I can answer this and that. What should I choose? And yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the designers of the game don't expect people that play it to have another half. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> no, I mean. <laughs> Yeah, but um, I mean, fair enough that it's not really designed for, for that purpose. I'm okay with that. I understand yeah, why yeah. they did it. It's just, yeah, minor, minor problem well, for me. There's another strange omission as well, which is the game doesn't allow you to use the gamepad's headphone port to listen to the audio at all. Um, and I, I take advantage of the fact the Xbox One, PS4, and the Wii U have a headphone port in the controllers. So I just can listen to the audio discreetly without this big long wire across the room so I don't disturb my wife. Mm-hmm. For for specifically Tokyo Mirage Sessions, I had to get a five meter long cable and plug it into my TV set to get that <laughs> same privacy. Um, it's just a weird omission. I don't know why it doesn't work. I don't know if it's a bug. Uh, I might even ask Atlas, like, why doesn't that work? There's no I think reason just- to not support that. I think it's just because the, the, the audio doesn't come out of the gamepad at all. So it doesn't have any audio. Yeah, to yeah. You, you'd, think it. That, you'd think that that would be a system level thing to mix it all down. Would it, be it nice. For other games, you plug in the, for other games that separate the audio between the gamepad and the television. Yeah, but I mean. As I, soon as it detects that you have a headphone um, set plugged in, sure. it mixes everything to the gamepad. Yeah, but I mean, I thought that that would be a system level thing that it actually handles that on the system side rather than oh, being developer specific. I understand. That's strange. No, apparently, it is not yeah. because it doesn't work for PS- this game. PS4 for sure it is. It's a system level yes. thing, absolutely, right. through and through. Weird. And Xbox One, that's definitely the case too. Well, so. I, don't, I don't have any of those new controllers. All of mine have got the launch um, ah, bespoke right. plug. Right, right. I have to get one of those contr- uh, those coloured ones, won't I? <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. But as as a podcaster, I feel it's my responsibility to tell people uh, to just watch the YouTube trailer for Tokyo Mirage Sessions. And if that doesn't make you fall in love with it, you are never going to fall in love with it. That's totally the appeal of the game is its craziness. Mm. So um, that is what sold it for me. And the game has uh, exceeded expectations and made me fall in love with JRPGs again, which is some, a genre I fell out of love with six, seven years ago. What's the last big one you played? Uh, Final Fantasy ten, fourteen. Oh, wow. No. 14? Uh, 13. Because oh. 14 is the MMO. Oh, yeah, right? 13. Yeah, right. Yeah, 13 yeah. was the one that yeah, didn't yeah. get, that was good once you'd gotten through 50 hours or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
I played 14, but that's an MMO. Yeah. That's a great game, by the way, 14. It still is. is. Uh, but it doesn't count. 13 was the one that put me off uh, the genre, for sure. Mm. Uh-huh. I think so, this, uh, is a, this is a good one if you like Persona as well. Oh, yeah. yeah it just yeah. feels like one more of those. And I know, I know we're getting five soon. Uh, so niche. I, I, next I need year. to play three. I've, I've played one and two, but I never played uh, three. Three and four are the ones that are most similar to this one. One, mm. one or two are different beasts. But yeah, I'm, I'm just waiting to get into it. I've been, I've been doing other stuff, uh, with my time. I, I had a free weekend and, and pumped it all into Overwatch competitive. Um, which, oh, wow. which I guess we Overwatch. can, I guess we can talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about Overwatch so, again. Yes. Yeah, so, well, it's a bit different. It's, it's about new. time. It's new. Um, Overwatch, they updated, uh, around the, the start of the month. It was like halfway through the, the last week of June and, added competitive mode, which is something that they've been talking about for a long time. They had it uh, available in some of the betas that were out before launch, and then they did a, a test environment version with the release version, and they finally launched it. Um, and the setup is that it runs for a few months. You have to complete 10, uh, what, are they, what are they called, seeding matches? Um, placement matches. Placement matches. Placement, placement. Yeah. So you, you have to do 10 placement matches before you get a rank, and based on your results, it will give you a number. So it gave me the number 36. I think it gave Earl the number 46. 47. 47, mm-hmm. which is supposed to mean that Earl is better than me, which is... Oh, a, uh, oh that's a higher rank. Is that's it? a higher rank. Doesn't it go from, it? from higher to one? I thought one was the top rank. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, Heroes really? of the Storm uses that. Maybe I mean, it, just... actually, it makes more sense now that I was losing and the number was going Yeah, exactly. Down. That's that's how I know. Yeah. Okay. I think it okay, goes up. So I, am, I, so I am way better than you. You're way, yeah, you're <laughs> way better than <laughs> me. In your face. <laughs> um, and it will, it will run for a few months. It gives you a specific currency for winning matches, which it will give you one if you win a match, I think. Every every match you win, you get a special purple one one credit, and yeah. three you need three hundred to get a gold color skin for one character's weapon. Yeah, one. apparently at the end of the season, yeah. um, holy crap, you're going to get a bunch of coins based on your performance that season. But sure. three hundred credits needed to buy one item is it seems daunting right now. Yeah. Also, well, it, if you're high level, if you're in the top bracket. Then you'll get a specific animating uh, spray and a specific uh-huh. um, season badge, I think. Like an avatar, right? Yeah, well. yeah, yeah. That's mm. the the badge, and um, and then it will be there'll be like an off season for a couple of weeks, and then it will cycle again. And there's a few uh, tweaks that they've made to the game, like they they spruced up. Well, they they've made changes to the UI uh, to clearly denote rounds one and so on and then it will um they also balanced it so that the timing of each match is different like you get less time to attack the first objective i think Mm -hmm. they yeah they've made some tweaks here and there in the effort to make it more of a competitive experience and and that that tweak you just mentioned feeds very heavily into one of my criticisms so remember that point cool and then and then the the main thing that it does is right now no competitive match can end in a in a tie uh, because as opposed to the standard match where it will do 
where one match is you are defending or you're attacking. Uh, in this case, you will play attack and then defend or, or vice versa. And then if the result is a draw, it will do a tiebreaker where it flips a coin to decide which team is attacking or defending with a very short uh, timer on it. So if you're attacking in the tiebreaker, it's very difficult to win. And that's, oh that's introduced... Oh, it's, it's really interesting that you have that perspective on it. Really? Because you think it's the opposite? I haven't seen anyone successfully defend ever. And I've gone to tiebreaker with really? the majority of my games. Yeah, I, I've... Yeah, I've... Uh, do you win if you're attacking and you get the first capture point? Yeah, the first capture point on every map is yeah. very easy, generally, which is why they decrease the amount of time to get it. Okay. They now either haven't decreased it enough or they need to rethink it. Because my perspective is, and I, I, I thought this was shared by others just based on my conversations with random players. Right. The coin, the coin toss hits and whoever's on the defending team goes, we lost. And then wow. the round starts. We, yeah. So we off our only, so as me and Arab played all of our 10 together and we had a few people jumping in and out and we had a tiebreaker on Anubis and we were defending and then mm-hmm. it dropped us in and we thought, well, we defended for several minutes last time. I think, I think we can do this. And it, and it mm-hmm. put like, I don't know if it was like two and a half minutes and we're like, yeah, we've got this easy. That's kind of unfair for the attacking team that they've got to face us on in this scenario where they've only that's, got a short I, amount of time. That's a fair point. I've never been, I've never been in a tiebreak situation on that map. Okay. Um, wow. So King, it might be King's Row. Yeah. Oh, f- yeah, um, right. Uh, you get like a, uh, a minute and a half or two minutes to attack. Mm-hmm. You can take that point in seconds, like constantly. You, you have to really have your defense down to to defend that point at all. That map is designed because it's a three point capture map. I think it's like, um, I think capture the, and then it's a convoy, right? Yeah. The hardest one, I think the hardest one to defend would be, uh, um, Gibraltar. And I was about to say Gibraltar as well. It's just uh, the, it says, Hey, tiebreaker, which teams attack, which time, which teams defense. Yeah. And all the defenders just go, ah, oh, for fuck's sake. Wow. Yeah. It, yeah, immediately. I think Anubis and is one of the easiest the, ones to, the, the, the toughest ones to break, but once you, because it's just, yeah, the two points, yeah. it's not a hybrid, which means there's no escort. But I mean, one way or the other, I feel like every map has a clear, um, this map is easy to defend the first point or extremely difficult um, to defend the first point. Right. There's no, there's no real balance of capture point one is a fair game. Yeah. Well, the only thing the that they can, the only thing that they have to play with is thing. the time. The amount of time that you've got. Or just change up what the actual parameters are sure. uh, to, to, to decide what uh, a win is. But the first capture point on any map just seems like a really off-the-cuff decision. And one, to their credit, they have actually uh, acknowledged was a mistake. Yes, I personally yes. have always a lot of trouble with Route 66. That's the one that I have most trouble with. Right. As an I mean, attacker or defender? Both. I just... Ah, right. I, I don't know if it's because I don't know the map correctly and I always mm. get ambushed and I don't notice. Mm. But but yeah, I have always a lot of trouble. Attacking especially. Yeah, I just feel like no no matter how a game is resolved, it has to be symmetrical. Yeah. Uh, it, and the fact that the whole competitive game up to that coin toss is 
completely leaning, leaning in to try and make it as symmetrical as possible. And then it's like giving a penalty shootout, but only one team gets to shoot. Right. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that makes sense. You know? That's a good uh, analogy, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, here's the striker. Here's the goalkeeper. You get one shot. Go. Yeah. And you're going to pick your best striker. <laughs> More often than not, the ball's going in. And that's exactly how it feels. You're the goalkeeper and all you can do is guess. I stretched the analogy a bit too thin. But anyway. <laughs> the dream is dead. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And like uh, the other problem is, and again, this is uh, this was covered by Kotaku. Kotaku did a very good piece on this. Um, the pers- If you quit mid-game, you're punished, as you should be, mm-hmm. because in a ranked game, you've basically screwed over your team. However... There's no actual remedy for that screwed over team. They're just screwed. They have to sit there for the remainder of the game with less players and take the loss or get punished. So uh, there's a certain window of time where if someone quits early, everyone can quit and that's it. You don't get punished for it. If they quit deep into the match, you're locked in. And I've been in matches that have just been drawn out for as long as possible because the five or four remaining players were pretty good and holding their own only for the inevitable loss at the end. Yeah. And it feels like a wasted 15 minutes of just like trying your best to not get uh, mown down. Mm. Um, it's I've had a very negative experience with competitive. Um, many, the, the vast majority of my matches, someone on either team have quit. Yeah. And my high-ranking placement of 47 is fortunate for me because someone on the other team, more often than not, was the quitter, and I benefited by having many victories. They hmm. were hollow victories. I didn't enjoy them at all. Yeah. Um, so I, I feel like my rank 47 wasn't well-earned. You may also have a way. difficult experience now. It, once, I do. Now actually. you have a rank Yeah, that's and higher than it should be. And I'm punished very heavily for losses. Right. So if I, when I play with you guys now who are in the 30s, I'm the only high-ranked, like, level 40 dude. Yeah. My losses make me go tumbling way down. It's not worth me playing with you anymore. Well, it's the thing is, maybe that's not the right rank for you right now, and you'll get down to the same level as we will, maybe a bit higher, and then it will balance out you'll start winning matches around the same amount well here's the interesting thing i'll balance out to you if i choose to by playing with you frequently yeah but if i don't play with you which is what i have been doing Mm -hmm. um i am match made with people that are level 47 sure they're pretty good and i'm winning (laughs) yeah so my desire to play with my friends if i cared about my ranking has gone Right. I will never play if I cared about my ranking, which I don't really. I will never play with you again, and that to me just means the system is is just broken. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's it, it was it was disappointing. Oh, I actually had a, a a bug as well where my team was rewarded the loss even though we actually won. Um, I have no idea how often that's happened, yeah. but I have I have screenshot evidence that this definitely happened. Uh, we won the match and it said defeat. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. And it, and everyone just blew their minds. Like, what the hell just happened? Yeah. Um, there are problems with this for sure. Yeah. And for the, in terms of how to fairly treat a tie, I don't have a good suggestion. 
other than they've got to, I think there should not be a tiebreaker. I think there needs to be an additional meta level within the standard match that can separate the two teams. And that's something that you're aware of and that you should try and contribute towards during the match in case there's a tie. But the, the difficult, like there's the one scenario where it's, you can't separate the two teams and that's if neither, uh, capture the first point. Cause other than that, the chances of both teams, um, failing like the escort or some, or not getting to the second point within the same amount of time is difficult to separate. Yeah. I mean, I mean you could even have a tie it's state. It's easy to separate. Sorry. Yeah. If it, you know, it's not a championship game. Yeah. Just have a tie state where you don't win or lose sure. and you just get, maybe everyone levels up like incremental bit based on their performance, yeah. but you don't get that win experience. You looked at CSGO's uh, setup and the ties are possible there. They, they sort out tiebreakers in major tournaments by just playing additional matches until there's a difference, right? Yeah. It depends on the leagues. I guess different okay. leagues have different systems. Um, and CSGO empowers the players to set up their own rules. Sure. Um, right now, Overwatch does not. And the rules that they have laid out uh, are dividing the community let's say is the mm-hmm. polite way of putting it <laughs> um i think my other problem with the with the competitive gaming uh mode is that the matches are too long i i thought yeah. that the length of the standard matches were perfect enough that i would not get not feel exhausted getting to the end of a match like sometimes i'd be exhausted because it would go down to the wire and we'd be in a um contesting like both teams contesting the point or contesting a moving target uh, for for minutes, and that would never be long, like as long as any of these competitive matches, because the competitive mm-hmm. is either for for some of the modes is either double, if not more, because um, the ones that are best of three, like the King of the Hill mode, the best of three mm-hmm. is best of five. Once you've done three rounds, the fourth and fifth just feel uh, just painstaking. It's really funny as well because um, in some of those matches, it's either like some players' first experience, but many times I've seen people type in the chat, "Why is this still going? Yeah. Haven't we won yet?" <laughs> like, like it's not communicating very well to the players, like why this is still going on, yeah, and and what the difference actually is from regular play, and it's um, I don't know, uh, it. I actually felt quite salty, salty and sour. <laughs> And I had to step away from the game because I got to a point where I just thought, I don't want to play Overwatch anymore. And that's a shame because uh, it's a a game that I've enjoyed more than any other up to this point this year. Mm. And I had to kind of sleep on it to wake up again the next day and feel refreshed and remember it's okay. Regular play now is still there. The game I love is still there. I can just... This mode is something else that's additional. I can live somewhere else and I can enjoy Overwatch without it. I think someone mentioned that that when there might be a net positive to its existence because all of the angry, horrible people will just play against each other in this corner and we can enjoy play now against friendly friendly faces. Yeah, sure. And actually like the uh the play now matches I've played this weekend were all very enjoyable. Oh, not right. to say that not to say that they were unenjoyable before competitive, to be fair. Mm. But, uh, but I certainly haven't experienced any negative things. Sure. Uh, I think my favorite takeaway, like in a positive light from the competitive stuff, is that I have experienced tactics which I hadn't seen in play now because people were properly trying or mm-hmm. were 
a unit like we'd go in with a large group and it would pair us up against an equally large group of people that knew what they were doing and some of the defensive strategies we're trying to employ uh in our normal matches the the biggest one for me was you know how it gets it's about to tick down to the end of a, a match that you're defending and you just hope that the team doesn't contest it and and turn it over and sometimes they will mm. like in the scramble and in the panic you don't defend properly and they, and they break you in that like when the time is at zero um Mm-mm. what we've picked up is that you just make sure that that battle occurs a few steps ahead of the capture point which means that you, they get tied up battling you there none of them break through and the timer runs out because no one's contesting the point Mm-mm. like i hadn't considered right. that as a yeah proper strategy before and having witnessed it executed several times in competitive it's actually made me a better player like open my eyes to more strategies and and there's some other stuff around uh, like good team setups and so on that i've picked up from that mode specifically yeah, I, I, the positives I got once I actually received my ranking position, and I'm playing with people in the high forties now. Yeah, um, the stakes are so much higher for a loss that no one quits anymore. Right. Oh, of course, yes. So I'm now no longer getting quitters. Hooray! Was that instant That's a good thing? Say again, Bob. Was, sorry, was That's that a good thing? Are you saying? <laughs> was, <laughs> right, yeah. was that instant from uh, as soon yeah, as you so, got the rank? Uh, as soon as I got my rank everyone's far more obliging and will play a game out. Right. Um, the other thing is that um, people are, are more obliging when it comes to tactical decisions being made. Sure. They're, li- um, they're listening. Exactly. If someone says, okay, we don't need that many junk rats, someone change, someone will change. It's really surprising. Like generally speaking, people will go, okay, I'll do that. Um, someone said to me actually the other day, it was, I can't remember what map, it was a defensive map. Mm. We didn't have a sniper. I went Hanzo and someone said, uh, hey, do you mind not being Hanzo because it messes up with uh, something I'm going to try a bit later? And I said, okay, cool. Uh, is Junk Rat okay? He said, perfect. Wow. And then sure enough, um, midway through the game, he was like, okay, I want you to choke that point. Like just spam on that point. That's you. I did it. We won the game. Don't know if it's because I choked that point or not, but everyone just basically did what this guy said, and it all it all worked out in the end. <laughs> um, I, I I played ball and yeah. and it worked out. So it's it's interesting to see that style of play, and just generally, um, you get like commanders. Yeah, you, know, you get these certain people. I I wonder what happens when there's two of them in a team. I haven't seen that yet with a conflicting plan. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> probably. I wonder what yes. happens then. Um, but yeah, generally speaking, someone that has a, has a game plan. The other players are just like, yeah, cool, man. I can play mercy if you want, uh, if we need it, I'll do it. Yeah. Uh, I, I just want to win because <laughs> losing means losing two ranks at this point. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. if, if you're, if you're telling me that's going to win, I'll do it. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. 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 And so, yeah, I think competitive has a bright future. I just think that this season is a little bit murky for me and I might just let it pass and I'll come back later. Sure. Hope, yeah. I w- like they seem to be, they're talking about making some tweaks during the season, but they can't make anything. They can't do anything drastic until the season. No, they, ended. they can't, they can't change the way that sudden death works no. because that's a fundamental system. Uh, so that one sided penalty shootout will exist till the end of the season. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, for me, to reach that point in a game, which is usually a long match and then just go coin toss, 
you lose. I just don't want to be, I don't want to play those games. No, that doesn't feel satisfying at all. No. Okay. Anyway, I, it's, I'm, I'm positive. Overwatch is still awesome. Um, I can still play Overwatch while ignoring this. Mm -hmm. And I do actually think there's potential for competitive to draw me back. Just not under this season's rules. Uh, Yeah. So interested to see what they do for season two. I might, I might dip in from time to time to see if I can pick up some hot strats. But uh, apart from that, Uh, we'll be playing as a group. Yeah, I'll I'll do it with friends uh, for a laugh and just fail and be cool with it. Sure. Um, But I do enjoy competitive gaming, and I do like to. Yeah, I, I, I like to try my best and have a good rank, and I don't feel like I'm empowered to do that it feels a bit out of my control right now yeah um I, f- I felt like my success of reaching 47 wasn't my achievement and i felt like my constant topple down the rankings wasn't my failure either right so that's that means i'm not enjoying the mode <laughs> mm-hmm. bobby have you spent any time oh no of course you were away I was away and I I unfortunately have only played one of the placement matches. That's why I've been so quiet because I really do not have a lot of competitive experience. Sure. Mm. My, my only game on Overwatch competitive was full of salt. (laughs) (laughs) So, So yeah, it was, it was a disaster. We were, we were absolutely trampled. On Route 66. <laughs> right. And, yeah. and, uh, yeah, I had a couple of teammates saying, you, this team is such a noob. Go back play casual or yeah, something. Yeah. 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 And, I, it, and I, uh, Mike, uh, who, who played uh, MMO March with us, mm-hmm. um, he was saying that there was some very, very <laughs> heavy, sweary verbal abuse over voice chat in one of his yeah. matches. But he also said he that was hilarious. His, yeah, he thought <laughs> that was his favourite moment in competitive so far. Yeah, yeah. This guy just <laughs> going crazy. If you, yeah, if you, you do have not to have a good it, attitude about it. If you do not take it seriously, of course, it's always a laugh to see these guys lose it. But, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's still a bad thing. I mean, it's toxicity yeah, yeah, yeah. is always a bad thing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, of course, yeah, competitive modes will always bring out most of the toxicity anyway because people take it more seriously. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Right, nothing we can do about it. We can always just have a laugh at it Mm -hmm. or we can mute him. Yeah, I I think if we're playing in our own uh, private voice chat and we're tuned out to it even existing, it's it's fine. And I just ignore the text chat uh, if someone's being a bit of an asshole there and just try and enjoy the game. But yeah. um, that that package is still a great package, and the fact that ranked mode is just a mode, uh, competitive mode is just a mode, um, shouldn't detract from how awesome that game is. So I was very upset this weekend and very down on the game, but um, I, I still stand by it being a fantastic game. Mm-hmm. Come to think about it, do um, on Overwatch competitive, can you see the text messages from the opposing team? Yes. All right. Same this as, is something same as that before. they. Yeah. yeah, this is something that they ended up taking out from Heroes of the Storm. Mm-hmm. I mean, b- before and World you of could Warcraft, see, famously, or even World of Warcraft as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. but uh, on Heroes of the Storm, before you could see, you could actually chat with the other team. But mm-hmm. at some point, the 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 chat would become so hot yeah. that they just said, "Fuck it, you will not be able to chat with your enemies anymore, only with your team." Mm. The irony so, is, is that I've never experienced abuse from the enemy team in Overwatch. Which is which is great. I mean, this is how it should be. Yeah, but I do have. I have seen abuse within my team. <laughs> yeah, it's Which interesting. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, the the abuse doesn't come from the other side. Generally speaking, 
And like you'll get right. the occasional comment like, really, two bastions? <laughs> uh, but, but but nothing with hatred. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, give it time, give it time. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, as long as we can deal with it, we're good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, right. um, we're going to wrap it up uh, soon here. Uh, let's just yeah. go around the room and see if we've been playing anything else. So, Earl. Yeah, I, I purchased something else on my Wii U as it was on. I checked out the eShop. Uh, Fast Racing Neo. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, I can't think of a better way to describe it other than it being a Wipeout clone, but mm-hmm. a very high quality one. I've only spent half an hour with it, so I'm going to hold back. But um, it runs at a blistering 60 frames per second, which matters on that kind of game. And my initial thoughts with the way it handles, I prefer the way this game handles compared to Wipeout. Because Wipeout, I'm always bouncing off the walls and stuff. It's all about the air brakes. Yeah, I'm just not very good at that. And this has the same controls. Like, you know, you you have left, right, brake and air brakes left and right Mm. uh, on the triggers. Um, But something about the track design or the handling means I am doing a much better job of perfectly gliding around these courses. And it looks very spectacular when you nail it. Like I love watching people that are good at wipeout nail tracks and get really awesome track times. Uh, I can do that on this game. (laughs) So um, (laughs) I'm going to come back to it and talk about it more in the future. I think probably on uh, go play that micro Cool. Uh, which is our separate podcast theme that sure uh, is. everyone should sign up to on iTunes and your favorite platform. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it's, it looks amazing and runs really fast and is very fun within the first half hour I've played. Nice. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Um, uh, for me, no. Bob? Bob? Yeah. I have, I have been playing um, uh, my newest obsession, which is Zero Time Dilemma. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's the third part of the Zero Escape series. It was released on Steam like a few days ago. And uh, I've already spoken before about Virtual Last Reward and how good it is and how mm-hmm. everyone should play it. Mm-hmm. If you have a Vita or if you have a 3DS, you should totally play it. If not, then I think it's coming out on Steam at some point. But I may be wrong. It's just a rumor. What, um, Zero Time Dilemma? Oh, VLR, no, no. sorry, yes. VLR and N9, both of them. Yeah, yeah. I, I read somewhere that that was the plan, that they would all come across. That's what yeah. I'll be jumping on, I think, from the start, if all of them come out on there. Yeah, you mm. should. I mean, it's the best way to play it, of course. If you can, uh, if you don't want to do that, I would still recommend you play Virtuous Last Reward at the very least, because Zero Time Dilemma has, like, heavy spoilers of uh, VLR. Right, they you just can't go back. Okay. Yeah, I've heard that. You, yeah. I see it's um, definitely big plot points that get revealed on the very beginning of Zero Zero Time Dilemma. Sure. Did you have I, to? Yeah. I have a question for you, Bob. Yeah. Virtue's last rewards, 3DS or Vita? Vita. Okay. Thank you. I prefer Is that because it on of the, the, the visual fidelity? Visual fidelity. And um, as far as I know, I think the Vita version has Japanese voiceover and 3DS has English voiceover. Ah, uh, yeah. Cool. That'll do it. it. <laughs> I have it on. I have it there from I think Plus at some point. PlayStation Plus, yeah, was was free oh. back in the day. Oh, maybe I already own it then. <laughs> so yeah, give it a try. I mean, if you haven't played it, what are you doing now? Just close Perfect. the podcast. What am I doing go now? Play I'm it now. Disconnect. Yeah. It's just uh, I've purchased uh, Zero Time Dilemma on Saturday. Yeah. The moment I came back from Barcelona, and only on Saturday and Sunday, I've already clocked thirteen hours of gameplay. <laughs> nice. Good job. 
I mean, it's, nice. it's, yeah, it's that. Oh my God. I just cannot talk about it. I cannot. Because if I do, I may risk about spoiling something. And the story is all in this game. Everything mm. revolves around the story. I can talk I'm, a bit about the structure though. I mean, on, on Virtus as we were, for example, you would have a beginning to end storyline that you would follow. And you could jump to, uh, to any point of the, let's say, branching story tree. Mm. Uh, but Zero Time Dilemma works a bit different because uh, the way that it uh, the game justifies is, is that every 90 minutes, the protagonists of the game will get injected with a drug that will erase the last 90 minutes from their memories. <laughs> so they never know what a great when. great concept. Yeah, they never know when or where they are and neither does the player. Can they tattoo Hasn't, themselves? Yeah, I mean, they, they, they still... <laughs> they still talk to themselves and everything. Right. How does it communicate that to the player? How does the player not know when they were there for those last 90 minutes? Well, that's the thing. I mean, you just you can you can select several fragments of stories. Yeah. And the the moment you select it, uh they will say, "Oh, okay, it's uh 6 uh, 10 past 6." So when right. exactly? Okay. Okay, uh, I see. You didn't experience the time that they can't remember. Exactly. I mean, right. maybe you didn't experience the time they can remember, or maybe maybe you did, but maybe you did it in an alternate timeline where where the events just went in an entirely different way. Okay, uh, I see, I see. So, so yeah. you never know on which timeline, when, and where you are, and yes, who's alive. Yes, if you think you know dead. what happened, you didn't know what happened because yes. things changed, right? So yes, yeah. I mean it's it's super <laughs> clever. I love the way that it has been laid out. Cool. And I cannot wait to unveil all the mysteries because it's full of mysteries as well. And yeah, video games. I would, Yay. Video games. I would recommend you play Virtual Slash Reward as okay. soon as you can. If you want to wait for the Steam version, that's okay. Otherwise, try the mm. Vita version. I might go for the Vita version, actually. Uh, uh, I, I quite enjoyed the Danganronpa series on there. Um, I, I played the first one on Steam and ended up playing the second one on the Vita. I did actually mm. quite like the did, Vita version. Did you play through two yet? Yeah, I finished it. Oh, you finished it! Wow, I haven't even, yeah. I haven't, I've got it on both platforms, and I've not even started it yet. I think I'll... I've avoided talking to you, Rob, because uh, okay. I, because I played it. Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> uh, Stu picked up the collection of both of them on in the Steam sale yesterday. Ah, cool, cool, nice. Welcome to the party. Yeah. Welcome to the family, son. Yeah. <laughs> At some point, reference. I will do the same. It's just that I, I have now this one, and I also have on the PS3 Steins Gate. That I have not oh, yeah, yeah. tried. Oh yeah, yeah. And that's another one that I'm looking forward to. But of course, by the time I finish Zero Time Dilemma, I will have the visual novel overdose, and I will have to wait a few weeks yeah. before I get back to it. For me, I'm going to stick with Tokyo Mirage Sessions. Um, yeah, till I do to. anything with VLR. And yeah, you're mm, right. Yeah. I've got to. St- I can't balance that and something else story no. driven. Um, Agreed. Yeah. yeah. I agree. No, between I mean, that and Overwatch, it's fine, but yes, this exactly. and anything else, you're going to struggle. It's a different thing, yeah. You, you need the mechanics of the combat at the front of your mind because they do get increasingly complex like any JRPG. Yeah. You disconnect for a week or two. That save is dead, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. This is exactly what, what Maggie and I both realized, that whenever we complete a game, it's because we started it and we just went through with it without any interruptions, changing games or anything. Well, that's, that's what got me through Danganronpa, having it under the the 4 in February challenge. That probably mm-hmm. wouldn't have happened, and I think that's why I haven't stuck with 2. Hmm. Yeah, I've, I've tried to maintain my good habits since our 4 in February challenge, and 
only have one story driven game at a time and and drive it to the end yeah 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 that is also my plan except for the the part where my story time this weekend all went into overwatch (laughs) yeah yeah mine too to be fair (laughs) um bob you got anything else um well i've also played a little bit of kingdom hearts unchained on the mobile which is uh, yeah it's uh, what can i say it's a a really shortened version of Kingdom Hearts where you still do the same story that you've done in every other game and meet the same characters that you've met in every other game except you have your custom avatar and you have missions, very short missions that you can clear in like five minutes Hmm. or shorter. It's downloading as I'm speaking. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty grindy, but... Mm -hmm. But I'm finding it fun, and I'm continuing it. I have already progressed through maybe 60 missions, which is big deal. I don't know exactly how many they are, but, I mean, 60 missions, and it has kept my attention. They must be doing something right. It's Kingdom Hearts, so I guess if you're into that. Yeah, it's Kingdom Hearts, and that's the reason why maybe I'm giving it a lot of of praise. It's it's free to play, right? Free to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how is it? How is it getting your money? How is it trying to get your money? Um, okay, so you can in in order to attack, you have to equip badges into your Keyblade, and uh, you can purchase like sets or let's say booster packs with badges. Okay. That you will that you will get like different attacks or more powerful attacks or rarer even, mm-hmm. and uh, you will need a lot more badges in order to level the badges you own up. It has also a collection aspect, of course. If you get all the badges, then, yeah, you get a nice album to display them. So, um, and also costumes. You can, you can okay. pay for, for costumes from Kingdom Hearts characters like Sora or Cloud, even. It I looks like, uh, I'm just browsing it now. It looks like, um, you could, in theory, get and do everything without making any real money purchases. Yeah, I haven't made any. And so far yeah. I've gotten I've gotten enough decent content. I've got and like you you get premium currency by playing as well. Yeah. So so you can you can even spend those like on a on an occasional bundle like they call it the starter pack where you get one very rare batch and two more that can also be very rare or not. And they have some 99 cent um packs as well so you can just drop in uh less than a euro and and speed things up a bit if you got impatient mm. so that uh, doesn't seem too bad okay i may be paying it i don't i don't have the need to yet but yeah i'm i'm not really against the idea of paying it because i'm already having fun with it yeah yeah of course no me neither all right cool thank you for that so, yeah. all right yeah no problem um i've been playing well i tried the doom the Doom, since the they Doom. Um, patched it that's to add... the reboot. They put the at the beginning. Yeah, that's how it works. <laughs> um, they added a feature where you can align the weapon model to the middle of the screen. I love it. Which is cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, it's cool. very I interesting. I really like it. Didn't I prefer rec- it. Didn't recognize any of the, of the uh, weapons <laughs> once they'd moved. <laughs> um, I've been playing in anticipation of this Friday, where a few of us are going to be playing some multiplayer uh, some local multiplayer. I've been trying out Move or Die and Ultimate Chicken Horse, <laughs> um, which are looking promising. But I'm going to save some chat around that for next week, where I'm sure we'll have Im- we'll have some impressions from from the whole group. And I'm going to mm-hmm. be there, so I'm excited about that. Yeah, uh, I think it's Yumi, Stu, and Tom is in town, so that's the big one. 
Yeah. And there's another guest uh, that we both mutually know that's visiting. So that's actually an extra to the party if he may join. Oh, okay, cool. I'll explain offline. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the other game I've play- been playing was Hitman. They had Elusive Target 5, which I stormed by throwing a duck. And <laughs> Bob and I have agreed that that is the last time I'm going to bring out the duck. Because <laughs> uh, it's, it's way, way too OP. powerful. It became OP too duck. easy. Yeah, once you, once you, know where the target is it's already game over uh, as long as you've got a good you know way of getting back out uh, and in this case it was it was in the, uh, the parking garage and you could just throw it at him and and i didn't even show the explosion which Stu pointed out like i was not even thinking about the spectacle of it or trying to do something challenging but uh i had a backup plan which was to show off escalation mode and i, I hope you enjoyed uh that uh showcase bob yep yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was really it's good. On, that's all on YouTube, so it is. So I'll I'll save any more chatter because uh, we're definitely going to be back once they release the the new content in two weeks' time, uh, which I've talked at length about before. Awesome! Yeah, that game keeps giving. That's yes, cool. it's great, and my my top five for the year keeps shuffling around. I think Hitman's going to be up there just based on the amount of enjoyment it's given, not just me, but but the rest of the group with uh, I was about to say, me too, and I haven't even touched it. So. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, it's a, it's a fantastic year, and now yeah. we've got uh, Tokyo Mirage Sessions, and yeah, that's crazy. We should get back to Devil Daggers. I think the, the guy is uh, gearing up to add some more enemies into that game. I'm hmm. waiting for you to beat my score. I've, I've, oh, sorry, I've yes, finished that game. The, yeah, the ball's in yeah, my yeah. court. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> um. Yeah, that's all I've been playing. But uh, yeah, local multiplayer impressions coming up. All right, uh, I'm going to call this one and going to remind you that you can email us by emailing us at <laughs> podcast at goplaythat.com or you can hit us up with a message on Twitter at goplaythat. You can follow us on Twitter. You can follow us on Facebook where we'll be uh, sharing gaming news that we've been finding from around the web. Yeah, we've revamped our Facebook. Uh, it's a it's a fresh look and a fresh approach. So what we've been doing, it's it's different to the site, and it's it sort of sits independently to our Twitter as well. So yeah, uh, please check out the Facebook and click a like if you if you enjoy what we're doing on there. Yeah, so you can get updates whenever we'll, we'll notify you whenever we've got new content on the site, and also you'll we'll, we'll try and surface some interesting stuff from around the from around the community and from around the industry. Keep abreast of the absolute finest gaming news and none of the salt and hate that you can find from other websites and Facebook groups. No salt, no hate, no clickbait. Only love. Exactly. No <laughs> clickbait, just love for gaming. What what other Facebook group can give you such a thing? Only go play that Facebook group. Thank you. <laughs> and with that, we will call it. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. Have a nice one. See ya. Bye, everyone. Yeah.